Welcome to the 20th official episode of Hops and Box Office Flops brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tonight, yesterday is history, tomorrow's the future, but tonight's the party as we take you through Can't Hardly Wait. Hops and Box Office Flops, a place where we can celebrate the underdog films the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. So welcome back. As I said, 20th episode, officially, of Hops and Box Office Flops. I am your host, the Thunderous Wizard. I am along with. Oh, am I introducing myself? Ah, it's uh, it's Captain Cash. Everybody, how you doing? Uh, you probably remember Captain Cash from the Fantastic Four pod, from all of our I Drink and He Knows Things pods, which broke down the final season of Game of Thrones. So he is joining me tonight. Uh, our normal co-host is uh, taking a bit of a break, so things will be transitioning. Uh, for the next few weeks until we can figure out a permanent solution. But we've got Captain Cash tonight. He's going to introduce the beer we're drinking. So what are we doing here? So tonight, uh, we're enjoying the all-day IPA by Founders. It's a session ale. I'm not sure what the ABV is on this bad boy, but uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's uh, it's an IPA. It's a very ipa and if you can't hardly wait, well, baby, I got all day. So, just ignore, uh, ignore his strange wordplay. Uh, so, can't hardly wait, 1998. I thought that was good wordplay. Come on now. It, it was okay. We'll see if you can do better as we go on. Oh, uh, no, no. It's only going to get worse from here. So, can't hardly wait is the final of our coming-of-age movies. It is a story about the final day of high school. Post-graduation, can a guy sort of take one last crack at uh, telling the girl of his dreams how he feels? So it came out in 1998, as I said. Gross about $25 million, which was double the production budget. A little yeah. bit surprising considering how much our last movie made. Uh, and I think this is a markedly better movie. Um, just like She's All That, though, host of young stars, including Ethan Embry who you might remember as Russ from Vegas Vacation. He's also currently on Sneaky Pete. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was, you know, America's sweetheart for a couple of years there. Peter Fascinelli, he's in Twilight with Battinson. Seth Green, Robot Chicken, of course. Uh, minor appearances from Geek Breck. King. Yeah. Breckenmeyer makes a minor appearance. Donald Faison. Uh, oh, actually, Kirk. just a whole bunch of famous people appear in this movie. Uh, I... You realize you're leaving out the kid from Hook, right? Yes, Charlie Corsmo. There uh, he is. We'll get to him because I have some true and false about him as well. Um, nice. But if you are wondering where the hell he was after Hook, uh, he was being studious. So uh, yeah. this was his first movie post-Hook. So it was a f- five or six year transition between the two. Uh, this movie was directed by Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. They also co-wrote it and it was pretty much based on i guess their high school experience um you might also high school experience than me yeah (laughs) 
might also know them from Josie and the Pussycats. That was their other big movie. And I was actually surprised about that because I think this movie is not only competently directed, but it's pretty well written. So, I mean, they've done some TV work, but nothing major. What do you think? I think this was a uh, let's cram every John Hughes movie we, we watched when we were in the 80s into a 90s setting. Yes. If, I, if I'm going to be real with you. American Pie came out a year later, and frankly, uh, I had more teeth. Well, it definitely um, did, yeah. I mean, that also had the benefit of the R rating, and yeah, uh, I think you know, st- studio comedies in general try and shy away from the R rating because they think it's going to hurt box office receipts. But in the case of a high school uh, party movie, you know, stoners, uh, ra- you know, kids raging, whatever. I think yeah. the the more you go for it, the more authentic you make it feel. That it, it only helps. So they did get their one f bomb in here, though, which they, is nice. They did get the one f bomb, and I'll tell you what they had to do to prevent this from being an R rating, and it's sort of ludicrous. Uh, this I was feel like this is going to be sad. Yeah, it's forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes with fifty eight yeah. reviews. So it actually tied. She's all that, uh, which is surprising to me because, as I said, I think it's markedly better. It's significantly less sexist, and it's actually fairly diverse, so points for that. It's actually fairly forward-looking. It's significantly less sexist than She's All That. Now, (laughs) I don't think there's any ill intention in She's All That, but let's be clear here. Like, the implications of that plot are troubling. (laughs) It is a product of its time. It is Pygmalion uh, for the 90s set, but, you know, my, My Fair Lady, that kind of thing, that's fine, too. Yeah. Anyway, but this movie. No, this movie's fun. I mean... It is fun. Uh, it's a good time. I, I I much dislike the what I guess you could call the protagonist. I think this movie does a good job of... It's a lot of vignettes. Uh, Ethan Embry, who plays... What is his name? Mike? His name is Preston Myers. Oh, right. My bad. It's, what is the white kid name? <laughs> yeah. Preston uh, is the ostensible protagonist, I guess. And I dislike him because he reminds me too much of myself in high school, and, oh, God, it's depressing. Of the things that didn't age particularly well about this movie, uh, the homophobia would be number number one. Um, But he's a creep. Yeah! I actually have a list of the things that make him, like, you know, like maybe he needs therapy. (laughs) So we'll go through those in a second. My favorite IMDb user review uh, came from BH underscore TAFE3. He said, wow, Blink-182, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Seth Green, Tupac references, RIP, Dharma, but not Greg, that guy with the high-pitched voice from from Empire Records, that's Ethan Embry, and OMGZ, is that the little kid from Hook all grown up? It is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Looks like this one's about the late 90s, and it's a decent example of prime vintage. Whatever that means. But there was a whole bunch of other stuff, but I really liked that opening paragraph. Because that kind of uh, sums listen, it up. <laughs> there there are three times in this film Smash Mouth gets needle dropped. Three times. Shrek doesn't have that much Smash Mouth. I... This movie is aggressively '90s. Now, I don't, uh, I don't want to besmirch Smash, Smash Mouth after they 
came out and poked fun at the sort of oh, idiotic. Shit, all, uh, I mean, they're all stars. What are you gonna do? Yeah, the idiotic uh, straight pride month that uh, oh, nice. the straight people are really upset that I guess they feel oppressed. I don't know what's happening uh, right now. Uh, but they, you know, did they have more than three hits, or did we just cover the entire cut? Hang on, Walking on the Sun, All Star, which oddly is not in this. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I is, know. Uh, it, the way that you are, and what's the other one? See, I I'm at a loss. So there there was one other one that I just I remember. I'm like, I heard the first one, which was Walking on the Sun. I'm like, yeah, there's a Smash Mouth. Then they dropped the way that you are, and then a third time, I didn't I didn't see the third one coming. The second one was like, ah, okay, well, I guess you know you like. I mean, they were very popular, and I three. Three smash mouth needle drops. That's hey. that is commitment to a theme, and that theme is '90s night. This movie was just going for it, and I do. Uh, I, you know, as someone who grew up in the '90s, I do love going back and and watching movies like this, and and sort of catching all that stuff. Uh, I want to report this movie like it's a Facebook ad. I'm in this picture, and I don't like it. <laughs> um. So the description from Crackle, where I watched this for free, uh, and I recommend. Oh God! I gave same. my Roku AIDS with Crackle so I could watch this thing. I hope you're happy. Uh, Crackle, lots of commercials on Crackle, but there, this is this is legitimately lots of the same six commercials yeah, on Crackle. This is legitimately their description of this film: multi-character teenage comedy about high school graduates with different agendas of life on graduation night. No, I mean, yeah, that's... I mean, I guess that's the the basics of it, but... Uh, that is an excellent way to describe a thing by telling you absolutely nothing about it. I feel as if they could have maybe, you know, went a little deeper into the, into the plot. Uh, it also called it a 90s Petri dish of budding stars. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that'd be fair, too. Petri dish would be accurate. Now, I, you know, I don't think that's... Uh, the most sharply written description, but uh, did you come up with a one-sentence description for this film? American Pie without the sex. That's pretty fair. Uh, I said mentally ill high schooler carries around a letter for four years, which somehow endears him to the most popular girl in school. Yeah, see, if you don't actually talk to the girl and you obsess over her, that's that's not a an endearing thing. That's a creepy mm-hmm. thing. Not endearing. On the other hand... You know, uh, Preston is a writer, and presumably whoever put this together was also a writer. So maybe, you know, the power of words is what won her over. True. Uh, I, I don't know what uh, he wrote in that letter, but I can't imagine it was good enough to justify him peer, you know, leering listen, at her from behind a wall. Yeah, you know, by the end of this, he's going to a workshop with Kurt Vonnegut, so I assume he's kind of a big deal. Yeah. But between him and uh, grown-up hook boy who in the end winds up a, a millionaire in dating a supermodel. There was a lot of like, I was a nerd in high school and and everything's good now. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt a little, uh, I, I believe the kids today call that Mary Sueish. Is that what it is? Well, it self-insert definitely, self-insert character. Uh, uh, I don't know about all that. It definitely hits the tropes really hard. And of course Ooh, yeah. the, the jocks are all a-holes. Uh, yeah. you've got the one popular girl with a heart of gold and the rest are kind of airheads, etc., and so on. Oh man, we get proto, uh, Harley Quinn in this. 
Yep. Yeah. Proto Margot Robbie. What's her name? Jamie, Jamie Presley. Presley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you look around this movie, you're gonna catch some people. I mean, Jason Segel's in this movie. Bill Hader's in this movie. Is he really? Yeah. He, that's Jamie Presley's boyfriend at the very beginning. No. Oh yes. Yes. Go back and look. Oh my God. I'll have to look at that. So, uh, yeah, Jason Siegel. This was his first movie, and I mean, <laughs> you'll see, you'll catch him because he actually has like a decent little bit of a part. But yeah, uh, back to Preston. Now, hear me out. This is why I think he's actually insane. Uh, <laughs> so he spent beyond the obvious. He spent four years of high school revising this same letter. Uh, he has an obsession with coincidences. Uh, including like as he listens you know to these barry manilow songs he like thinks this is like some sort of sign from the cosmic gods uh (laughs) he spies on her constantly throughout the film pours his heart out to a guy who doesn't even speak english i would you like to touch my penis (laughs) let's talk about things that didn't age particularly well yeah i mean cool we got the foreigner to say a funny thing uh, wrestling with the voice inside his head in an abandoned parking lot at his high school, uh, desperately calling a radio station from a payphone <laughs> so he can talk to Barry Manilow to validate his insane theories. Uh, is the stripper part of his imagination? Because I think she is. I feel like the stripper could, there could be an argument made that the stripper is either a figment of his imagination, actually an angel sent by God, because by the end of this, aliens are a thing in this world. True. Uh, an alien, uh, or alternatively, she is simply a stripper, and it is mundane. Yep, and the and he leads hasn't talked to her the entire movie, right? He leads with Amanda, I love you. That is not it's, a strong play. It's no, it's a bad idea. And of course, she like just rips him apart in front of the whole party because she has no clue that he's Preston Myers. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If they had ended the the thing on just Preston getting blown up rather than the kiss at the train station, I feel like this movie would have held up a lot better. It would have certainly felt a lot more like my high school experience. (laughs) Uh, For this, it's leaning hard on all of the tropes. Like we said at the top of this thing, did you watch an 80s John Hughes movie? That, but set in the 90s. Yep. So there's the the kiss at the airport train station. There's the unlikely we don't like each other, but actually we really like each other get together. There's the pair of the spares. There's the you name it. This this thing leans hard on the tropes, and it's not bad for it. Tropes are can be a good thing. But this movie is not going to throw anything at you you don't expect, but it's a teen comedy from the 90s that's not even... It doesn't even have the balls to be R-rated, so... Uh, you know. I mean, you turn this on, and you know that he's going to this party because she's now single. You can pretty much figure out what the rest of the movie is from that. Now, everything in between, yeah. I actually think, is really funny for the most part. And Charlie Cosmo is just a delight. <laughs> the whole time. The traditional Hollywood nerd. Yeah, uh, he is been so... bullied his entire time by the... The guy who dumped the most popular girl in school. He's so it's so awesome that he took this role, uh, because I know he didn't plan on it, but it's like he nails it. He ne- this is like a mic drop role. Like he never has to work again because he's forever William Lichter. 
here's my thing on that. His arguably the climax of his storyline is where he gets up and sings Paradise City by Guns N' Roses, except he he doesn't sing it that well. <laughs> like, it, he sounds like a guy who's had six beers and got up and started screaming Paradise City into a microphone. I don't... And at the end of this, everybody fucking loves him, which is fine. I mean, that's kind of where this arc is going. Again, tropes aren't bad, and this movie is going to do that. But I feel like they either... If that was what this whole his whole story was heading toward, they should have either picked a song that he could have sang really well or got someone who could sing Paradise City or just fucking dubbed someone in. Like it do you remember High Fidelity? Yes. Alright. So if you go back and watch High Fidelity, one of the, the main characters is Jack Black. And this was before Jack Black could sing. Or, well, not before Jack Black could sing, but before everybody knew who Jack Black was. Tenacious D hadn't come out yet. So he, he spends the entire 90-minute runtime of this movie convincing you whatever he's going to get up and sing at the final, uh, in the final set piece of the movie, he's just going to sound fucking awful. And he gets up there and he sings, Let's Get It On. And it's Jack goddamn Black, so of course he sounds amazing. And it's this fucking revelation. They needed that in that storyline. He needed to get up there and felt it in a way that you go, oh shit, this came out of nowhere and he's amazing. Of course he would be very popular for this. Yeah, because he does sort of have this unbelievable path to being the coolest guy in the party. Particularly when he leads in with the beers gone bad. I have no legs! Uh, But no, no, I, I would be fine if he came in and just blew up the song and did a, an amazing job and be like okay I, I get it but he just kind of just kind of sings it but he does have that moment where he gets hit and knocked off the table and springs back to life and the mic comes flying up into his hand i mean that's i mean that's pretty that's fair friggin magical yeah, yeah. if you ask me <laughs> i think we can all agree he has the most fun of the stories oh yeah Oh, by far. Like, yeah. uh, Mike Dexter's is particularly depressing. He's the jock who broke up with his girlfriend because mm-hmm. he's one. He doesn't actually want his girlfriend back. Like, he just discovers like if I don't take her back, I'm not actually that cool. So no other girl is gonna want to date me. Be and he learns this from the other used to be really awesome in high school, but I'm no longer awesome guy, Trip McNeely, who. It's probably one of my favorite brief cameos in any movie where he strolls up, drunk, belching, and he's like, you're Trip McNeely. <laughs> and he's clearly like past his prime and he's supposed to be 20 years old. Oh, that's my favorite part. It's so Way good. past your prime. Jerry McConnell. Jerry O'Connell, yeah. excuse me. So oh. before we get into because I do have a, a series of who was the MVP of this party. Did you notice the Shermanator? Oh, yes. Uh, the, the kleptomaniac Shermanator. So, I, I choose to believe what happened is he was eventually caught for his kleptomaniacal ways, was sent away to somewhere in Wisconsin where he finished out his senior year. Where he uh, became a uh, sex-educated robot? Yes. Sent back in time. To change the life of one lucky one lady. Lucky lady. Uh, so <laughs> his character name is just Klepto Kid. So I also am going to quiz you if you can see if you caught everything he stole throughout the movie. Oh, fuck, no. I, 
I can tell you like three things, maybe. So uh, some other uh, really awesome people you may recognize. Kid from Mighty Ducks 2. He's the guy with all the whipped cream. He's uh, Knuckle Puck's brother. Uh, eat, uh, what? No, no. What's, uh, what's Foggy Nelson's real name? I can't remember. Oh, I forget it. But, you know, he was just in that last movie, and I, for- I forgot it already. Oh, well. all right. Anyway. Uh, He's not in this, I guess, is the key thing. He should have been. No, he would have fit right in. So, more fortuitous path to victory. Happy Gilmore's winning putt in Happy Gilmore, or Preston's letter, which somehow makes it all the way from the trash back into the party and right next to her in the chip bowl. When you say fortuitous, do you mean unbelievably unlikely? Yes. Then yes, that. Because I could at least somewhat believe Happy Gilmore could make that putt. (laughs) I, I would agree. I, I would think the putt has a better chance, although a very slim one, of going in, but certainly better than the letter getting stuck to a keg and rolled in and stuck to somebody's shoe. and You know, you know honestly, else. this whole thing plays a lot better if you just imagine that because aliens are real in this world, that aliens are enacting all of these plans be- for their own amusement. Now, just as unlikely, we said, this letter like makes her totally smitten for this guy. How awful was Mike? If this letter like wins you over instantly, <laughs> what was wrong with Mike? Does he have like a dark side that we don't know about? Well, I mean, to be fair, he does dump his girlfriend simply because he is bored. Eh, you know, I mean, at least he's being honest with her in that sense. But this movie goes way, way out of its way to go. Mike is a huge douche. Yeah. And then they give him a brief moment with... Uh, with William Lichter, the party king, uh, where it's like, ah, oh, maybe he's not a huge dick. And then he goes right back to being a huge dick again. Yeah, so it's no, kind of a, yeah. Like he, he has a this funny yo-yo thing. This moment of maybe he's redeemed himself for these years of making this poor guy's life a living hell. And then, you know, Lichter shows up at the, you know, the breakfast joint, and he's immediately back to being a jerk. Yep. Uh, I mean, this movie really did feel like I think it nailed the feel of high school, at least to me. Like, uh, I wasn't a super nerd or anything, but I wasn't like, I wasn't also the school's like uh, most popular athlete. You know, I wasn't uh. the prom queen, king. As I've discussed many times on the show, I went to one dance in high school, so I wasn't like lighting the world on fire in terms of everybody wants to hang out with the thunderous wizard. You know, so I. Th- yeah, but you stole a lot of shit, so it's fine. <laughs> no, that was you, not me. Uh, so, allegedly allegedly yeah you were never caught a uh, couple of other observations two nerds were right uh luke definitely should have pushed vader it seems <laughs> like the logical move if your hand is cut off that you should probably you know strike while the iron's hot throw your stump at something yeah. come on that's a terrible I mean, idea do Plus something. He's hanging out over that thing i don't know did you notice that one of the girls who becomes obsessed with william lichter actually played audrey Russ's Ethan Embry's sister in Vegas Vacation. I missed that. Yep. So she's the one that gets locked out of the bathroom, I think. Maybe it's the other way around. Because I watched this a couple days ago. Jason Siegel, as we mentioned, watermelon guy. So be on the lookout for him. Hang on. You, you didn't do the most obvious one, I, I feel like. Who? Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. She's the yearbook Melissa Joan person. Hart. And every high school had one of those a-holes that 
was like, <laughs> sign my yearbook, sign my yearbook. And, you know, everyone did like the, whatever the stupid acronyms would be for, oh, have a kick-ass summer. That was a big one. Was that, did you guys do that? Or is, I never wrote acronyms. I think they're silly. But just like LOL, I think is up. the bane of my existence. That, that did not come up in my high school. Regional uh, variants. So here's a question, though, about the 90s. What's the deal with everybody wearing so many rings? Was that a thing? Oh, yeah. Shit, that was a thing. I wore like four or five rings. Oh, jeez. Captain Cash, come on. You're like it's Prince. Not, I, was fashion- I was a fashionable gentleman. I was voted well, most well-dressed. I did not I did not know that was a thing, because I, I hate jewelry. And if I wasn't... That's a big I, thing. A fucking clotter rings and thumb rings and no, shit like that. No, no, thank you. Well, I mean, not you, obviously, but that was a thing that happened, is all I'm saying. All right. If you were a character at this party, who would you be? God, I, I know what the answer is, and I hate it. And it, it it's fucking Preston. I mean, I can see that. I could totally see I, that. I, now, I was nowhere near that creepy in high school. I had... Well, you've made up for what, lost had, time since. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I had at least... I had two... Two girlfriends that lasted at least a year each throughout high school, and I didn't have some sort of weird, creepy, obsessive crush. But his his style, the what, he, how he talks about stuff, and all the there's no coincidences and all that. A, a youthful Captain Cash was a lot more starry eyed. That jaded old man Cash looks back on and goes, "What the fuck was I doing?" Yep. Oh yeah. No, like, I can empathize again, with that. Yeah, I'm in this photograph, and I hate it. I took everything as like a sign from the stars with my high school crush. Like, oh, uh, she, were you Preston you know, too? She said you this were Preston. Da, well, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna be Preston. And, all but, right, you know, I certainly could associate with some of him, some of his uh, character beats. Uh, but I would say I'm the original Paradise City guy, the guy that gets knocked out by the bottle, who goes up. And it's like, don't Just worry, guys. The boom box, like, yeah. Here we go. I got this. Yeah, I'll take care of it. <laughs> Just trying to solve yeah, problems. He goes up there. He goes, "I'll be the band, dudes." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, you know we didn't even talk about the other, what I would call probably the most uncomfortable storyline, which is the the Seth Green storyline where. Yes, and I actually think it uh, drags the movie down a little bit, like, because the whole basis of the movie, they thought, like, they watched a whole bunch of these movies, right, just like the John Hughes stuff, and they said the best part of all these high school or college movies is the party, so let's just make the whole movie the party, but their little interlude takes you out of the party, and it's just awkward. I will say that it is, like, very reminiscent of how kids behave like when they begin to think they're too cool for their friends and you kind of in a way you you uh you know you hurt their feelings indirectly by just like not talking to them anymore because you don't want to be seen with them so you know i got that but it's just it's just a really boring part of the movie yeah so for those of you who are listening and haven't seen it uh which i guess there may be three or four of you out there uh Seth Green's character is a middle-class white kid from the suburbs who adopts a lot of urban mannerisms. Uh, and his whole goal is merely just to get laid at this party. He's, he is all of the characters from American Pie. 
Yep. Uh, but it's just yeah. one character. He has a love and, kit. Yeah. With and like, it just like a feather duster super, in it. <laughs> it is super awkward and a candle and a candle and a very a love candle. large candle. Yes. I yeah. When he pulled it out, I'm like, is that a ki-? no no candle? All right. No, that's fine. Anyway. Uh, it's a very suggestive pink color. That's all I'm going to say. Let the record state that his two friends did not think it was a candle. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, to see Seth Green do this character, you're kind of like, man, you get so much better. <laughs> I, I feel like he was better than this movie was to begin with. But His, ca- his character is another one of the things that didn't age particularly well. No. You know, not because, like you know of the way they act but there's a joke later in the film that just doesn't land because of that and it's they bad. do absolutely drop the n-word in this movie yeah and it's like eh, not good don't eh, like that not a, yeah i mean you kind of want the a-holes to get some comeuppance for the the cultural appropriation which i realize is kind of a, a hot button word but these kids are a-holes about it so you kind of want to see them you know get at least like a a reality check but the way they go about it i'm kind of like especially because the stuff that didn't uh, age well the characters aren't particularly endearing including seth green who you know he yeah he sort of comes out of his little i'm a douche coma and yeah you know and realizes he's been a jerk to his friend all these years but i mean they're not like they're like making fun of everybody they think they're cool it's you know it's you don't root for them no. And then his story gets tied up with uh, Preston's friend, who is the, who I guarantee, I feel like she was hired because she looked strikingly like Molly Ringwald. When I first saw her, I was like, did they, is that like Molly Ringwald's little sister? How did they swing that? Uh, but she's the antisocial one who really doesn't want to be there. And also there's this scene where, so, uh, another girl approaches her and for a second, like for a hot second, I'm like, wait a minute, is it going to come out that she's gay? Cause full disclosure, I, I, I have never seen this movie until I watched it literally yesterday. That's hard for me to believe. I've seen it at least 30 times. Yeah. I, I, I never saw it. I'm like, uh, man, are they going to do a gay scene? Cause for 1998, that's going to, I mean, that would have been progressive as hell. Way to go. Would it, yeah, oh, would no, have been no, they're not. No, she's just sort of the everything sucks. I hate everybody at this school, which also but really I, I deep down totally she's get. doing it. That's a defense mechanism. Yeah, like, and really she does want to connect with someone, and she chooses to connect with the most obnoxious guy at the party. Yeah, with Seth Green, and they have sex in a bathroom. Yep. Uh, so as I said, klepto kid, because I have two. Uh, I have two more categories in this first section. We got klepto kid, and then we'll do who won the who won the party. And then we'll get into some Am I Full or Shit or Nots. And I found some good stuff for this movie. Uh, some of these, like, you know, you get 20 years past a movie, you can look up some good stuff. So, Klepto Kid, though. Appears in multiple scenes stealing something. Can you name all of them? I cannot name all of them. At the bare minimum, I can name Gumball Machine, Police Car. Uh, I want to say some kind of food at one point. Uh, random items from the convenience store, yep. Uh, there we go. And that's all I got. Uh, small statue from the girl's house who threw the party. Which is what she's credited as. Yep, and then he steals a Love Burger t-shirt when the band's breaking up. 
right. Of all the things, do you own a Love Burger t-shirt? Because I feel like you should. I wish I did. I, I think they're the best part, one of the better parts of the movie. I wouldn't say the best because William Lichter's the best part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but Love Burger is so great, mainly because it's actually people who are pretty famous at the time. For the, you know, It's got Donald Face on it and Breckenmeyer, so a little clueless reunion. Yeah. And Breckenmeyer is dressed up like Prince. It's fantastic. And the running gag is they're always about to play and never actually play. Yeah, they never actually play until the cops show up. <laughs> so they don't you know, get the set off. All right, so MVP of the party. Now, this is, this is a pretty stacked category. The love There's really only one choice. Yeah, but I gave, I, I'm going to give you a lot. And let me answer just, just as simply as I can. Would you like to touch my penis? Oh, so you went with a uh, foreign exchange no, student. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking kidding. <laughs> All right. it, it's William Lichter. It's very obviously yeah. William Lichter. All right, here were my other options. Because I agree, it's Lichter, and he seals the deal when he throws the yearbook into the pool. <laughs> but my other options were the love kit with Kenny's inner monologue, which of you ten lucky ladies? <laughs> oh, oh, nine. Nine lucky nine ladies. Nine lucky ladies. Uh, <laughs> Loveburger's long-awaited reunion, which we just mentioned, which unfortunately comes too late. So Lichter has like a series of moments, the mic jumping into his hand, playing the piano drunk. I have no legs. He just owns this place. Yeah, it's his party. This was, this was the big thing for our, our big boy, Big Billy Lichter. Yep. Uh, foreign exchange student not only says, do you want to touch my penis, but he calls himself sex machine. <laughs> which... What? Is that a callback to something else? I feel like that shows up in a. It's got to be from something. A skew universe. Yeah. (laughs) Olaf, say berserker. So, what about the time guy who admits to having a boner at the sock hop? Which I don't think, which is a disastrous lead-in. It's worse than I love you, but not by much. (laughs) Uh, I feel like the guy who had the worst time at the party. Other, uh, no, the guy who had the worst time at the party was the guy who tried to hook up with his cousin. That yeah. that was the worst time. That guy yeah. is definitely the LVP of the party. That was a yeah. really bad move. I mean, they were He's only related through uh, marriage, but still. Uh, Even still. One of my personal favorites, as I mentioned, Paradise City Guy. I'll be the band, dudes. <laughs> Trip fucking McNeely. Those were all my options, but you're right. Lichter's the MVP. Uh, it's running it's away. As soon as he takes that yearbook and casually throws it into the pool, it's just... That's like a walk-off home run in the World Series. <laughs> Billy Lichter nailed this so hard, I think he never made another movie again, did he? He's like, look. He recently done. appeared in something, but I don't think it's really a movie. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this was it. I mean, as I said, this is the career-defining performance for Charlie Korsma. I mean, if you're Charlie Cosmo, you've got Hook, so you worked with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. Yep. And you were the the MVP of the teen, not quite sex comedy, just the teen party movie. Yeah, the teen, the raunchy teen comedy, but more like... I don't the, even know if I'd call it raunchy. Again, yeah. I, this just feels like, you know, somebody... Like, I still feel like you're Christian mom's friend would get angry if you showed this to her kid <laughs> but probably because there's a pothead eating a watermelon and, and they're they're having beers at a party how dare they 
Yeah, true. All right, single I most. Do this uh, all day. Single most '90s thing about this movie. You oh know, fuck! Like, it has to be the soundtrack. Well, I, I mean, soundtrack. It's gotta be. It's yep. gotta be the soundtrack. And, I mean, that like, fits. But what about the uh, stuff you see in the movie? Payphone. The payphone. So I chose yeah, the, uh, the person was playing a Game Boy at graduation. Oh, uh, so I remember thinking that, like, and not just, not on a Game Boy Advance, not a Game Boy Color. Yeah, yeah. original old school Game Boy. Original that you could Game kill Boy. Kill a raccoon with if yeah. you had to hit. Thing like, that took be like weaponized. four AA batteries and had a battery life of four and a half hours. <laughs> it was the size and weight of a cinder block. Yeah. That's that I love is the that gaming thing. world in which we grew up. No backlight. I played Pokemon on one of them. Three different colors. Everything was like a army green. Three different colors. Yeah. It no. was black and white, son. No, this like the display had like three different shades of black. Oh, yes, that is fair. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that is basically our rundown of the movie. We both enjoyed it. Uh, you know, if you're casually drinking to this movie, uh, as you're casually drinking as we record this, you know, this is a one or two beer for me because I love this movie. Yeah, I mean, even as... I, I think there's uh, an element of nostalgia here for me because, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these kids were... I mean, they're a little bit older than me, but around my age when this came out. So I can, it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, I remember that. So one or two beers for me and I, I can have a decent time with it. Yeah. Uh, if you're, if you were born anytime in the nineties or after the nineties, it, it would be a fun relic, but you're going to probably be at three or four. I think it's going to feel dated to to you. So what I would recommend then is to theme a drinking game after it somehow and enjoy the ride i've got i've got a couple drinking game rules for you okay let's hear them okay one is any overtly 90s reference so anything we just mentioned payphone old school game boy honestly any of the soundtrack boombox yeah the boombox any of that drink uh basically uh you know, drawing, uh, you know, they draw like in Sharpie all over the family portrait. It's a super 90s thing to do. Is there, I assume there are still Sharpies. Sharpieing people I just is don't still know. a thing. College is that kids still do? a thing? I don't know. I don't know because I, it was a listen. huge thing. I mean, that was like every weekend somebody got Sharpied. Yeah, that might not be a thing anymore. Anyway, uh, anytime you spot a, a person who then went on to do something else. Yep drink yep david to uh, references or x-files references <laughs> drink well you're just gonna drink the whole time the nerds are on the screen hey it's got to be done that's fair um i would say finish your drink at the alien abduction yeah uh, and then final rule drink anytime the band almost plays and then doesn't see there you go rules are in place enjoy the movie so when we come back we'll do am i full of shit or not and uh, I will test Captain Cash. So we'll be right back. So we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com, the 20th episode of the show. Can't hardly wait. So here we are. Am I full of shit or not? We'll just get the first one out of the way because we already talked about it. I most certainly am full of shit. Uh, Let's go. Charlie Cosmo was 
Lassian and Hook, 1991, so seven years before this. Uh, and that's because, and he only took this role on a whim. He was attending MIT at the time. So he's like a I- legit smart dude. Uh, I'm sure he went on to do some pretty awesome things. Uh, he was actually not the original choice for the role. And they shot some scenes with the other guy. And the only scene that he's still in is when they're kind of infiltrating the backyard. And he's carrying the ladder so you can't see the guy's face. If you recall that scene. Where they're like setting up their... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was the so other... So that's a... William Lichter. That's a true? Yeah. So that all happened. Well, really, the the question was about, you know, when was last was the last uh, time he was seeing Hook, and that's true. You know what he's up to now? I have no idea. I didn't actually He's a lawyer. Him. He's oh, really? a full-on lawyer. That's what he does. Sweet. Cosmo. Hey, I mean, way to go, Cosmo. I thought he might be in Neverland, but I guess I was wrong. No, I mean, he went back, obviously. You know, you want to make sure that... Yeah, you don't want to stay You don't want to stay there with Hook. Yeah. As cool as Dustin Hoffman is. So filming the final scenes of the party meant chaotic destruction of the house. So directors Kaplan and Elfont gave the go-ahead to completely trash the place. True or false? I'm going to say true. It is true. So over the course of an hour, they pulled out drawers, dropped food all over the floor, messed up the carpets, and someone spray-painted this party sucked on the front door. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, That's some solid method acting. I mean, I will say the nice thing about this movie is unlike some other high school movies where you get like kids who are played by 30 year olds not trying to throw too much side eye at you toby mcguire in the spider-man films yes uh, but a lot of the kids who are in this film this movie are like 18 19 20 21 where it's actually a fairly believable high school <laughs> it, it really is uh so ethan embry has gone on the record as saying this was his most memorable acting experience True or false? That's a bold choice. I'm going to go true, though. Nope, it's false. He claims ah. to barely remember filming this movie because oh, he, was, he was so stoned the whole time. <laughs> that, that actually makes a lot more sense. So yes, false. He also uh, has said he's never seen the movie the whole way through and didn't even read the entire script. He only read the scenes he appeared in. Next one. You know, uh, I can believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he loves pot. Uh, the film takes place on Wednesday, June 17th, 1998. Barry Manilow's 55th birthday. I'm going to say false only because I don't believe there was that level of attention to detail. Well, guess what? There was. It's true. Holy shit! Way to commit to a bit. Apparently the writers and directors also loved Barry Manilow. Uh, oh, yeah. One of Jennifer Love Hewitt's primary goals for 2019 is to direct a reunion of this movie. I remember reading something that they tried to put together a 10-year reunion. So at this stage, I, I can't imagine they want to do a 20-year or a 21-year. It's true. Oh, my God. She recently oh, mentioned Jen. it in an interview on, a, on the podcast Everything Iconic. Uh, and I guess she's been pitching the idea since 2015. Oh, Jan, I mean, I... Girl, I yeah. know you're the hotness in in '98, but but I just oh man, that got yeah, let it let it go. I'd like to see what Trip McNeely is up to. Just you know, aside from what I th- think he's up to in our uh, "Where Are They Now" segment, which is after this. 
So the yearbook. I'm, I'm uh, not going to go to my own 20 year high school reunion. I don't expect me to go to theirs. Oh, I, I would much rather go to this one than my 20 year. I did not go to my 10 year. So. Yeah, that's fair of me either. All right. The yearbook Melissa Joan Hart carries around in the film was specifically made for the movie. Yeah, sure. I buy that. False. It God is, damn it. I'm terrible at this. It is from a Philadelphia area high school named Plymouth White Marsh. The students' pages shown in the movie are really the teachers' pages in the actual yearbook, so that's what they look like. I wonder if, I mean, presumably somebody had to give an A-OK for that. I'm sure they, yeah, they must have borrowed it and be like, hey, do you mind if we use the style? I mean, it's not like a yearbook is going to come after you for copyright. Uh, Stoner Guy talks to Watermelon Guy, Jason Siegel, about Velma from Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, and says that she's a hip, hip lady. This is a nod to Slater from Dazed and Confused, who says the exact same thing about Martha Washington. I will say true. It is true. So if you've never there seen Dazed and Confused, he talks all about how George Washington was planting marijuana at Mount Vernon, <laughs> and Martha Washington was down with it. I don't think that's historically accurate. <laughs> I, would, I would question the historical veracity of most of Dazed and Confused. Yeah. William Lichter, Charlie Corsmo, was supposed to take a shot of tequila, but to maintain the PG-13 rating, they had to digitally replace the tequila glass with a lemon in post-production. I'm going to say true, only because previously you had mentioned what they had to do to get the PG-13 rating. But but I'd say it was some trepidation only because... I have trouble believing that they could digitally paint out things in 1998 in a believable way. But I I stand by true, yeah. It wow. is true. So that just goes to show you, listeners, how drastically different a PG-13 in 1998 is compared to a PG-13 now. And why American Pie did this much better a year later and there were tits everywhere. Just, if you're going to do a teen comedy, just... Lean in. Lean in. All right, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. This is a big one. Jennifer Love Hewitt and Ethan Embry briefly dated while filming, which made their final kiss much easier to shoot. True or false? I'm going to say false, because wasn't Embry married? I don't know. He might have been. It is false. Were they dating? No. Okay. She gave him a... this This is how... This should give you an indication of what she thought of Ethan Embry. She gave him a teddy bear full of breath mints for their climactic kissing scene. Uh, Embry said that everyone on set knew he spent most of his time smoking pot in his trailer, and she wasn't so keen on kissing him. Uh, Embry Embry actually described himself as a skunk-scented chimney (laughs) and gladly used the breath mints to relieve his cotton mouth. Well, hey, you know, good, Ethan, good that you owned it, buddy. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, at the time, Jennifer Love Hewitt was undoubtedly the hotness. Yes. Um, I don't know who that is now, maybe Margot Robbie, but she was, she was every boy's dream, which struck me as weird because when you're, when you watch the movie, they deliberately do not show you her face until she shows up. And she's like the biggest star of the movie. So I, exactly. I, I get it. Like it's a big reveal, but you know, she's the selling point of this movie. Yeah. She's on all the posters and I'm sitting here going, yeah, 
yeah, th- there seems some like I, I understand what you were trying to do, but not the time to do it. Anyway, and keep in mind this is only like two years after I know what you did last summer, so she's like sort of a legit star by this point. She's bankable. Yeah. So it is an odd decision. Uh, many of the lines spoken during the opening credits, such as "There's a huge party tonight, cool, we should crash it," are delivered by the directors and screenwriters, Elfont and Kaplan. I would absolutely believe that. It is true. Uh, Seth Green, who played Kenny, Donald Faison, Love Burger's drummer, Alexander Martin, the foreign exchange student, and Breckenmeyer, Love Burger's lead singer, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Prince, would later appear in Josie and the Pussycats as members of the band Du Jour. Who oh, also, yes, this is true. And coincidentally, it is true, they also fought among themselves throughout the movie. I, I choose to believe that this is all in continuity with Josie and the Pussycats. I think it is. And what's a better band name, Loveburger or DuJour? Gotta go Loveburger, actually. I like Loveburger. Excuse me, Flo, what's the soup du jour? It's the I soup like of the umlauts. day. That sounds good. I'll have that. Good, I'll have that, yeah. Uh, at one point, there's a distant shot showing someone doing flips in the party's yard. That's Ethan Embry. True or false? Stoner can do flips? Mmm... That's crazy enough that I believe it. It is true. In addition to acting, he was an award-winning gymnast from a very young <laughs> age. So, huh. yeah, did not know that. Good for him. Yeah. All right, so that was Am I Full of Shit or Not? When we come back, uh, we're going to do Where Are They Now? Huntington Hillside High's Class of 1998. If you recall from last week, we did this with She's All That, which means we take a character such as Preston Meyer which is played by Ethan Embry, and we determine who he became based upon a different character in that actor's filmography. Uh, So, for example, uh, Brock Hudson, uh, Matthew Lillard from She's All That became Stort from Scream, because after his fame died down, he became enraged high school kids and decided he would kill them. So that's, that's sort of the theme of the where are they now. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops. And this is Where Are They Now? Huntington Hillside High's Class of 1998. We've got a bunch of Where Are They Nows. We'll start with Love Burger. And because there's not as many like... I think it should be said that the main thrust of this is because it does very much the uh, the Animal House. And then they went on to do this white title card. Yep. Freeze frame at the end of this movie. Yep, so you find out a bit about the characters. You know, where, what happened after this shot, like this last shot. So William Lichter became a software tech, married a supermodel, etc. and so on. Uh, so Loveburger, the band. Now, I thought about them becoming the Dan band from old school. Like they finally got their act together, but they were still sort of spiteful. And so they sort of hate saying different songs. But I gave them a real band. Loveburger went on to be Oasis, where their issues getting along culminated in a fistfight that eventually finally broke the band up. I stand by that Loveburger went on to become DuJour. I think that's fair. I think knowing that most of the principal players of Loveburger were in DuJour, it only makes sense that that is like the revival or the second coming of this classic band. Yeah, they were like, Burger is too much. What, What can we do to take it down a notch? Yeah. Oh, you know, something light. Like, you know, the soup du jour. 
So Mike Dexter, who's played by Peter Fascinelli, he went on to become Dr. Carlisle from Twilight. Mike Dexter, a broken man, wandering the gothic quarter of Seattle, his life is forever changed when he's turned into a vampire. That experience humbled him, enough so that he returned to school to finish his degree he'd abandoned in favor of late-night booze-fused parties. So, you know, getting bit by a vampire worked out for Mike Dexter. He became a doctor. It did. He had a very nice family. His son is Batman. Everything worked yeah. out for him. No, that's good. Yeah, not bad. Not a bad, uh, it's, you know. It's, it's rare your son can be Batman and you cannot be dead. Yeah, after having gained 40 pounds and, and flunking out of school, you know, he's just wandering the streets of Seattle. You know, this is before the days of Starbucks and he's he's in the Gothic Quarter. Next thing you know, boom, he's a vampire. Yeah, done. Yeah. So what do you think? Mike Dexter. Mike, oh, Jesus. Do you know anything with Peter Fascinelli? No, I got nothing. All right, so we'll go on to Preston Myers, Ethan Embry. This one's this one's a tough one. This is very similar to uh, Brock Hudson from She's All That. Preston Myers went on to become the mechanic in Vacancy. Uh, if you've ever seen Vacancy, it's about uh, a couple checks into a hotel, and essentially then they, the hotel manager tries to murder them. And the mechanic is uh, not the nicest guy, so... I mean, let's be honest, Preston was incredibly creepy, so it's really not that big a stretch to assume he'd become a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, that it would be a not not a far jump for him. Uh, I will say that, oh, God, what what has he been in? Ah, uh, I will say he was in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Uh, I will say that he, after this one single party where he netted the girl of his dreams that he continues now just to go from party to party to party, looking for that same high that he got when he got the girl of his dreams. Ultimately, this is going to end very badly for him. I mean, perhaps he will become a serial killer as a result. That makes sense. So then Amanda Beckett, who is the girl of his dreams, Jennifer Love Hewitt, for me, she went on to become Wendy from Heartbreakers. (laughs) So after discovering the odd and truly terrifying shrine that Preston had erected for her, Amanda tires of the moronic nature of men. So she decides to spend her life uh, defrauding them of all their riches. That is fair, but I think instead, because she is undecided, uh, that Amanda goes on to eventually become a veterinarian uh, and pals around with uh, one Garfield the cat. that's fair. As Liz Wilson. And as it turns out, who does she marry? The lead singer of Love Burger. As you do. So Bring it on back. The Bring man of her dreams back. was at that party. He was just dressed like Prince. Yep, just dressed. You know, he was different then. He was going through an experimental phase musically. Uh, but then he just becomes John Arbuckle. What does John do? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I actually have no idea what John Arbuckle does, aside from hate his cat. <laughs> My favorite thing on Reddit right now is the I'm Sorry John subreddit, where Garfield becomes this body horror monster. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, you should check it out. It is it is phenomenally surreal. I have not seen that. I might, I might have to look at that. Yeah, R, I'm Sorry John. Okay. It is truly insane. 
Oh, all right. So there's a there's a recommendation. Uh, Trip McNeely, Jerry O'Connell, went on to become Derek Jones from Piranha 3D. McNeely, who learned absolutely nothing from his talk with Dexter, goes on to become the poor man's version of the girl Girls Gone Wild creator. Suffice to say, it didn't end well for him. <laughs> no, no, I can, I can accept that as headcanon. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, that or... Uh, so not Trip McNeely, but Trip McNeely is visited by an alternate universe version of himself at one point, only to be pulled on adventures through the time as sliders. Oh, okay. You know, there's actually, there was actually like, he's played a lot of skis balls. So it was almost like, you know, he's in that dumb movie, Tomcats. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not a good one. Horatio Sands, Jake Busey. Uh, it's actually a really bad movie. But like, he had a lot of good options for Trip McNeely. Oof. I, Jake Busey. Good Lord. Anyway, Jake Busey. sorry, go on. And our last, where are they now? William Lichter, the MVP of the party. Charlie Corsmo, uh, since he really stopped acting, and I'm not going to give him the kid from Hook who's kind of unbearable, he went on to become Steve Jobs, which should surprise I mean, absolutely it, nobody. Yeah, with, within the context of the film, that's that's basically what he does. Yeah, he becomes it really is. <laughs> Jobs or Bezos, it's, it's not really clear. Yeah. or may, I don't think he's as... Well, you know what? Maybe he is a, I mean, a musky. He could be Gates. You know, nah. He Gates is way less cool than that. Yeah, he's musky. So to me, he's old Elon. Yeah, he became Steve Jobs. So that is in actuality, uh, he became a lawyer. Everyone, yeah, he became a lawyer. Charlie Corsmo, as a child star, should be celebrated for not continuing to pursue acting and going to MIT. <laughs> That's that is fair. As not that acting is a shameful profession by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a good thing to take your studies very seriously. Obviously, he did, and we were lucky enough that he came out of acting retirement for the role of a lifetime. <laughs> William Lichter, truly. I mean, he's it's such a great role. So that is uh, where are they now? Uh, when we come back, we'll do some recommendations. Uh, and then we'll uh, we could do a six degrees if you want to test me. If not, we'll just do one on the uh, next episode. So we'll be right back. So we're back on hops and box office flops. Uh, remember, you can always hit me up on Twitter at writer tlk, and you can hit the show up at hops and bo flops. Uh, we'd love to hear your recommendations for movies to do on the podcast. We'd also love for you guys to review the show on your streaming platform of choice. Um, you know, if you leave recommendations or questions or comments or you leave reviews, we'll read them on the show. Uh, so we'll do a couple quick recommendations. I'll let you lead Captain Cash. Uh, also, if you're looking for Captain Cash, he's at C-A-P-T Cash on Twitter and Instagram where you can see all his costuming exploits, of which there will be uh, many in the near future, as we're at San Diego Comic-Con. That is going to be a good time. I'm working on a Thor, an Iron Man, and a Captain America, as well as some some of the Expanse cosplay. So if i got to recommend anything, I'm going to jump in and say, if you're not watching The Expanse on Prime, you've got to watch that show. It is the best. Um, 
especially after Game of Thrones flamed out hard. Uh, this is, I can unequivocally say, The Expanse is my favorite show going. Hmm. I, you know, I still haven't watched it, so I guess I probably should. It is worth your time. It is absolutely worth your time. And it, you're it, you're only three seasons in, and I think each episode, because up until so see, through season three, it was on Sci-Fi. So each episode is actually like 40 minutes. So you can catch it on Prime, and you can knock out the first, what, three seasons, 10 episodes a season, 40, so it's 30 times 40 is 120. Yeah. Or okay. what? I don't, my my math is terrible on that. But it's not too bad. Then definitely, it's a good time. I will say I know two things I'm going to be doing. I'm putting my Game of Thrones rewatch on the back burner. Uh, because I'm going to focus on my Deadwood rewatch, which will then oh. culminate in the movie. Uh, because it's I, been a long time. I watched the movie. It is good. It's been a long time since I've watched Deadwood, so I want to have a refresher before I watch the movie. Now, not to say that I don't like remember most of the things that happened. I just want it to be more in my uh, relative short memory as opposed to sort of, oh, wait, is that what happened? Or... Uh, you know, it's a fantastic show. Uh, it's a show that was gone way before its time. Whereas, you know, we got eight seasons of friggin' True Blood. We got three of Deadwood. And, uh, spoiler alert, one of the shows is much better than the other. It was prestige drama before HBO was prestige drama. Yeah. Between that and Rome, you couldn't have had True Blood, Game of Thrones, also, Westworld, yeah. any of that. Also a show gone... Uh, before it's time you know rome was only what two seasons two seasons that yeah. remains so, uh, that might be the most complete series i've ever watched that it that remains good start to finish there's no fat on rome and i guess there's you know no. that's the good thing about deadwood too there's no fat on that either where as we said many times over it's tough to finish shows out and you know oz is my favorite hbo show of all time and i've mentioned that and you know that that's got one season that's twice as long as all the rest and that season is way too long that's season four and then the last season just kind of goes off the rails so you just never know with this stuff so the three seasons of deadwood are like pretty much perfect but you do kind of wish it kept going but now we have the movie so yeah i mean that for me that was the issue with deadwood is it ends so abruptly because i think they expected to get a fourth season yeah and this the movie I don't know that the movie is perfect because, you know, the movie is trying to wrap up what I think was 30 hours of television in basically 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it's, it, it is satisfying as a, as an end. But would you say that it uses its 90 minutes much more effectively than a certain show we've talked a lot about on this, on this program? <sighs> so much better it's like it's not even i'm gonna make no bones about the fact that i was very disappointed with game of thrones uh and this film or i'm sorry this movie does in two hours service to all of the characters which game of thrones could not put together save the single the single episode in season eight episode two a night of the seven kingdoms that was the only good episode the whole season yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I would agree. Or the only really solid one, start to finish. The first one was yeah. okay, and it was a setup. But 
you know, that's the thing about setup episodes. You tend to forget about them because you're waiting for what they're setting up, which yeah, they you know only fulfilled a very small portion of that. Well, the thing I think is funny, and I don't want to, I don't want to get into it. You should watch Can't Hardly Wait. It's a fun movie. Blah blah blah. But if you're just jumping into Game of Thrones in season eight. Like, I get there are casual viewers who aren't going to, like, watch the episode multiple times. But to pretend, like, okay, this is season season eight, episode one. Let me catch you up with where we were two years ago. It's like, motherfucker, we got it. We've been waiting. Yeah. Just get on. Just go. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, this is the most popular program in HBO's history. There's nobody here that's watching this for the first time. And if they are, it's just because yeah. it's the novelty of it. I, I really want to see Godzilla. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see uh, John Wick. I haven't gotten to see it yet. Um, I actually might see Aladdin if if possible. Uh, because I really loved Feeling... that cartoon. Oh, uh, yeah. But I've heard, I I've know, heard, I've heard good I'm... things. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I am too frustrated with the whole let's redo the the movies from the 90s just live action so we can address any kind of nitpicky things i i I don't feel it doesn't it seem like they're running out of material because there's not that many left to do what are they gonna do they're gonna do a live action robin hood with all animatronic animals not animatronic but cgi animals cgi animals Uh, that's a possibility it's like if you're gonna drastically change the movie in a way i get it but like i the jungle book and people like that got rave reviews. That movie's very hollow to me. And I didn't like it at all. I thought it had some nice moments, but for the most part, I'd just much rather watch the old cartoon because this brought nothing new to the table besides some fancy-looking CGI. Now, so, having said all that, I'm still going to I'm going to be there for Lion King. I think that's the one everyone's going to be there for. And I'm actually surprised I mean, Aladdin's doing as well as it is because it it didn't look very good based upon the trailers. Yeah. But I have heard good things, so... Uh, listen, on the strength of the cast alone, Lion King's got my vote. Lion King's kind of bringing the heat. They're all guns firing. You know, that's yeah. all cylinders, you know, whatever you want to say. Like, they definitely put some time and care into that one. Plus, it's Favreau again, right? And he's the one who directed Jungle Book and fucking Iron Man. Yeah. So, you know, Fabro, but he also did Cowboys and Aliens. That movie gets a bad rap, but it's not. There's a recommendation for you. Uh, you like John Favreau, watch his movie Chef. Small, intimate movie. Great father-son movie. It's so good. And I believe it's... Small, back... intimate movie about how much he hated filming Iron Man 2. Yeah, I believe it's back on one of the streaming platforms. Oh, nice. I loved it. I thought it was a, just a terrific movie. And if you've got a you know close relationship with your dad or your father or whatever you know you'll get the feels watching that one all right nice so that that'd be a recommendation so i'll try and get to the theater it's tough i gotta see a lot of these some of these movies by myself so my wife is mm-hmm. not interested in john wick or godzilla so which i can't Listen, really blame I, her i, I want to see godzilla so much it's just a matter of same deal yeah it's I, getting away I've made no uh, no bones about the fact that I loved Godzilla as a kid, and I owned all these VHSs. I'll always love Godzilla. I'm more King Kong. King Kong's my number one. But I really am excited to see 
you know them bring the other kaiju into the mix and see some of these things that were you know now looking back they they don't hold up well at all these rubber suits but man some of that the effects in those trailers just look amazing and it's like you know childhood fantasies coming to life you know you know it's not a guy walking around in a model city (laughs) which as you get older like you're like oh this looks kind of terrible you know, when I was a kid, it was whimsical and fun. And then by the time Destroyer came out, I'm like, I think I'm a little too old for this. <laughs> and we're good. And yeah. we're good. This has been good. Anyway. Uh, of course, that 1998 one, that was on the other day. That thing is a travesty. It is It is an unmitigated disaster, that Matthew Broderick <laughs> Godzilla. Uh... Never do that to yourself. That's a recommendation, too. So... We'll see you on the next episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. No concrete uh, movie choice. So if you've got a recommendation, hit us up at Hops and B.O. Flops. I'll talk with Captain Cash. Uh, any movie you particularly want to do? Oh, shit. Daredevil. No, wait, that didn't flop as hard as I as I needed it to. Uh, well, with what, Ben Affleck's Daredevil? I mean, it yeah. It didn't, didn't do super well, though. I mean, no, 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 I gotta, I gotta come up with a, a, a real good flop. Just remember, I'll think about it. Daredevil didn't get a sequel, and Ghost Rider did. Oh my god! <laughs> I think it did better than Ghost Rider, but that says something. Now, so. Hold on. To be fair, they did make Electra. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they got a spinoff, which did flop badly. And I, I've never yeah, seen I, it. I've I'm seen not sure it. I'm prepared to hurt myself by watching Electra. I've seen parts yet. of it. But I haven't seen the whole movie. Oh, I, I don't know. I got to think about it. All right, so let us know. Hit us up on the Twitter. Uh, otherwise, we'll we'll talk amongst ourselves. We'll figure something out. As I said, it's going to be fluid moving forward because Captain Cash is hard at work on costume making. Because this is going to be a big con. This is the 50th, after all. If you're familiar with San Diego Comic Con, this is the 50th anniversary. So we're kind of going all out. Gloves are coming off, baby. It's going to get wild. So I might have some other guest hosts coming in. I know a buddy of mine really wants to talk about Dante's Peak because he's the <laughs> you devil. You have to do that. Yeah. So I might get him on here to talk just about how awful that movie really is, although he'll never admit it. Uh, but it was definitely a flop. So uh, we'll be back. So we'll see you next time. Episode 21 up next. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy your drinks. <laughs> <laughs>